Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast, I seem to be having some technical issues going on right here. I'm a little slow with my responses here, but the lights are on, so we know things are working. So welcome to Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. This radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina. I'm here with my co-host, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can preach and teach 
the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air, you can give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508, or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website. And I'd like to encourage you to go to that website. You can listen to the live show there. There are over 1,700 live shows on that website. And check it just before we came on the air, and this show is on page two before we came on the air, so it's probably on page one now. That's normally how they do it on that website. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can go to, or you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can call Stevie B's Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go on, before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington and Courtney Carruthers as they break into our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host, Clay Phillips, who will be answering the question that is on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you will continue to bless them and their families that support their efforts as well. Father, we pray that you will be with our listeners who are tuning in to this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you, and that their hearts may be pricked. And it will cause them to ask the question of what must I do? to be saved. Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For us in Christ's name, we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. In the first segment, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, he has our lesson. He'll be, he serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out on Facebook. We want to encourage our listeners to get involved in that group. Just join the group and ask your questions because I take a question from that platform every week and bring it to this broadcast. But my co-host, Clay Phillips, he serves as the evangelist with the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be answering our question on the broadcast this evening. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Courtney Carruthers, he serves as the evangelist for the Colonial Village Church of Christ there in Chicago, Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have 
a great show. After the break, the next voice will be that of my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. 
give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I'm a co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Good evening, uh, visitors and friends, and thank you, Stevie, for allowing all of us to have this opportunity to express our faith. Uh, can you hear me, Stevie? Is, is everything okay on your end? Yes, go ahead, brother. Okay. You believe something, but why do you believe it? You have beliefs, and you and I have beliefs in a lot of things in life. Uh, as Christians, we have strong opinions about God regarding what he is like or what God is not like and how much uh, he is involved in our lives or how little and what he can or cannot do. Now, we have serious views about marriage. Uh, you and I have thoughts about the role of the husband, the role of the wife, submission, leadership in the home, and raising children. And these are very serious uh, concerns. You and I have conviction about things like what happens after death, uh, what heaven and hell are like, the role of the Holy Spirit in uh, our life and who Jesus is. Now, all our thoughts and ideas about matters dealing with God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the church, the word, uh, the devil, the spiritual world, angels, and uh, the like, make you pretty much a theologian. Whether we like it or not, every one of us is a uh, theologian to some d degree. And I don't think that just because you know the Bible that you are a theologian. We all have a set of beliefs. Uh, but the question is, the point is that what are your beliefs based on? What is the foundation uh, of your theology? Now, uh, your beliefs, your opinions, your ideas, uh, convictions about God and matters pertaining to him are called doctrine. And what you believe or the doctrine that you believe should be very important to you. As a matter of fact, God's word tells us uh, to watch our life in 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Uh, your life and doctrine go together. You don't simply live by doctrine. You have to live your life and doctrine because they both go together. Now, one impacts the other. What you experience often many times will impact what you believe, as well as what you believe influencing how you behave and make decisions. Now, the key to a life based on God's truth is to align uh, and adjust and balance your beliefs with God's words. In other words, your doctrine should agree with God's doctrine. Does that make sense? Your beliefs should be supported by God's word. Your experiences should be interpreted through the lens of good biblical doctrine. Now, biblical doctrine is what the Bible teaches us every day about a particular subject. Uh, biblical doctrine can be very broad. It can be very narrow. We can speak of doctrine of God, which can be very large and huge, uh, and comprehensive. But on the other hand, we can narrow the focus of the doctrine of Trinity, of God, the love of God, the justice of God, uh, or the holiness of God. Uh, a major doctrine would cover a large and important subject like God, 
But within that larger doctrine and context, you also have a more specific doctrine. Now, I have heard preachers who preach only about the doctrine of the church or the doctrine of salvation. But there is a plethora of doctrinal subjects that I believe should be taught in our congregations throughout the world. Uh, But those who study the Bible and doctrines agree that there are at least 10 major doctrines or subjects in the Bible, and every believer uh, every believer should have a good grip uh, on uh, their understanding and application. Here are just a few uh, of the Bible doctrines that we should ears and hearts attentive to, and that is the doctrine of Scripture, the doctrine of God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, uh, the doctrine of humanity, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation. And, 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 and doctrine of salvation is important, but it's not overall the only important doctrine of the Bible. We have the doctrine of angels, Satan, the demons, the doctrine of the church, and the doctrine of last things. I think it's important that we preach and teach all of these doctrines, all these subjects, to give our members and congregation a well-rounded view of of doctrine. Now, those are just major doctrines that I just mentioned that you'll usually find in most theology books. Uh, I taught and studied for my uh, DM, my doctorate of ministry degree, uh, a subject uh, called Systematic Theology 1 and 2 by, uh, and one of the books that I found very helpful and still used today is by Wayne Gruden. And uh, most of the information that I'm giving you tonight will be partly from that book or from his book on, uh, on, on doctrine. But uh, some other doctrines, even though those are the, the, the major doctrines, uh, I want to add a few more uh, to the major doctrine category, and those doctrines are the doctrine of discipleship. There's the doctrine of evangelism, the doctrine of prayer, uh, the doctrine of stewardship, the doctrine of family, uh, the Christian life. Uh, all those are uh, vitally uh, important uh, issues here. If you hold on just a moment here, I think, there we go. Uh, the Christian life. Now, in the, the Christian life is probably one of the most important doctrines, I think, one of, uh, next to salvation. But the doctrine of family, Christian life, the doctrine of creation, the doctrine of worship. Now, these 18 doctrines I consider major and important uh, to every believer for uh, one of three reasons. One, they are subjects or doctrines that are emphasized in Scripture. They are doctrines that have been most significant, too. Uh, They have been uh, doctrines that are most significant throughout the history of the church, and they have been important for Christians uh, of all times. And number three, these are subjects and doctrines that, many times have become important to Christians in the current culture uh, in which we live today. Now, in this message, I I may not be able to get to all seven uh, of these points, but I want to address the reason for studying and knowing the major doctrines of the Bible and how understanding and uh, these messages or these doctrines, major doctrines, how they will, will bless and become an advantage to you in your Christian ministry, your Christian walk, your spiritual growth, and your journey as you walk with God uh, throughout your life. So if you have time for this, open your Bibles, take out a pen and piece of paper, write down these notes, and hopefully they will encourage you 
uh, to study more about the wonderful, beautiful advantage uh, of the doctrines. Number one, good doctrine helps you to know uh, God better. Good doctrine helps you to know God better. Uh, J.I. Pack once wrote, I quote, uh, we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place for those who do not know about God, end quote. Throughout life, you will ask many questions such as, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, where is God and when life hurts? Why does God seem to not always answer my prayers? And if, and if God is all-powerful, uh, why do I have to pray? Uh, why does God seem to not answer my prayers? Uh, if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he stop evil people from doing horrible things? These are some questions. Why does God allow uh, some people to live a long and healthy life while others struggle with things like cancer? Um, even though these things are tough questions, good doctrine answers Everything. Proverbs 2, verse 1 through 5, I quote, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would like silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. That's wonderful. Gaining the knowledge of God does not mean you will be as smart as God. It means your knowledge of God will grow. It, it will increase. You will understand him better. His ways will make more sense to you. You will come to know God much better, and your experience with God uh, will become extremely, extremely uh, advantageous. Your understanding of God's power, God's presence, God's wisdom, love, his holiness, wrath, discipline, and God's grace, all of those things will fill your mind, and you will see more clearly why God does what he does and says uh, what he says. And, of course, your knowledge is definitely going to increase, my friend. Number two, uh, good doctrine. The benefit or uh, advantage uh, of good doctrine helps you overcome bad ideas. Uh, there's a book called uh, change your thinking, change your life. Well, if you believe wrong, you will behave wrong. So if your core beliefs are built on lies and mistruths, you will make poor decisions. End of discussion, period. If your doctrine is not based on God's word, you can be easily misled, confused, deceived uh, by false teachers, uh, by people who claim to know the word of God. You can be easily misled and confused. But the Apostle Paul addressed this when he wrote uh, in Colossians 2, 6 through 8. Uh, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking uh, and from the spiritual powers of this world uh, rather than uh, from Christ. Now, that phrase refers to good doctrine. That phrase 
refers to solid theology, the biblical core beliefs about Jesus uh, and what he teaches. And throughout your life and my life, we will be challenged to think about God and life from a non-biblical perspective. Now, the spiritual powers of this world will produce all sorts of empty, uh, unuseful philosophies, high-sounding nonsense, people talking about, you know, how much Bible they know and using these big theological words. It, it doesn't make sense. But what they're doing is they're trying to lead you away from God's truth. And here are some examples of empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense, materialism. This says uh, the one with the most toys wins. Uh, it'll place uh, uh, it, it places an overimportance on uh, the prosperity doctrine, the money, the house, the cars, the clothes, you know, all that stuff God's going to give you. What, but but what's really important to this person is acquiring things. And for those who struggle with this, Jesus said, guard against every kind of greed, because life is not measured by how much you own, Luke 12 uh, and verse, uh, I think it's 15. Uh, So that's materialism. Uh, Another high-sounding nonsense is individualism. This philosophy is self-centered and has an individualistic way of life and says we should ignore the community and other people. We live in a a, uh, you first, me first uh, kind of life. You know the commercials that say have it your way, uh, we do it all for you, uh, obey your thirst. Uh, what's the other one? I think it's the uh, you got to think of what's best for yourself and you deserve it. You know those things. This you first approach to life uh, has really messed up marriages. It's messed up lives. It's messed up families. It destroys you in your workplace. Uh, these are things that uh, individualism, individualism uh, that are very harmful uh, to believers. Hedonism, I don't think I need to get into that. Then we have pragmatism. Uh, as a worldview, this is a dangerous worldview, pragmatism. But when you get a chance, you can uh, you can look that up. Then we have naturalism uh, and humanism. This worldview rejects the existence of God or the supernatural. They believe the existence of God is meaningless and it is irrelevant uh, to the survival and fulfillment of humanity. These this this group uh, of thinkers believe that. Uh, people are only physical, and there is nothing after this life. Their morals, their ethics are developed from personal experience. And the bottom line is, at some level, they believe you are your own God. But Paul challenged that in, in Romans chapter 1 where he says, um, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy uh, of eternal praise. Amen. So these are many examples uh, of empty philosophies, and there's a lot more. Uh, the spiritual forces of this world have developed and promoted, but these uh, few serve to give you a good example of how doctrine can be used to protect you against uh, wrong ideas. Now, let me move on. <clears throat> Number three, the advantage uh, of good doctrine helps you understand or helps you address doctrinal controversies. Now, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, then you already know there are numerous views about numerous things regarding what the Bible actually teaches among believers. Good doctrine, good doctrine will help you address these controversies and uncover them with God's truth and guide the conversation with God's word rather than more 
uh, or mere opinions or emotions. For example, a view uh, that seems to be growing in popularity today is universalism. And this view says that when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave for our sins, he did it for everyone for all times. Thereby, no one needs to place their faith in Christ for salvation because they're already saved. Well, just as the first Adam brought sin into the world, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, took sin out of the world. Now, somebody may believe that two misinterpreted scriptures that are taken out of context, but uh, we could show this person one verse, or perhaps two, that speak of Jesus' death on the cross and the requirement for individuals to place their faith in Christ for salvation. But the person might still find a way to evade the force by those verses or read a different meaning into them. It's, it's possible. But uh, when addressing doctrinal controversies, again, uh, Dr. Wayne Gruden says, uh, and I quote, we all have areas like that, areas where our understanding of the Bible uh, of the Bible's teaching is inadequate. In these areas, it is helpful for us to be confronted with the total weight of the teaching of Scripture on that subject so that we will be more readily uh, be persuaded even against our own initial wrongful inclinations, end quote. Number four, the advantage of the doctrine helps you make good decisions. You will make many decisions throughout your life. And right now, you're probably making a decision to either, one, continue listening to me or listening to Stevie's program or to turn it off. We hope that you will take the first, and that is continue to listen uh, to these programs because I think they'll be helpful for you and helpful for uh, your life. But some of those decisions will include choices about your spouse, your marriage, your children, finances, friends, careers, a whole lot of other things. You will have to make choices in spite of your fears, your anxieties, and your worries. But if you have disciplined yourself to know and understand the key doctrines of the Bible, you'll be equipped better to make decisions based on God's truth rather than your emotions or uh, your circumstances. Paul tells us in Romans 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, here are some ways you can begin to learn the doctrine and truth of God's word. Number one, hear it, Romans ten seventeen. Two, read it, Revelations one three. Three, study it, Second Timothy two fifteen. Handling the word of God accurately means to know what it says and how it applies to the specifics. Uh, of your life. To do this, you will need to become a student of the Word of God. Number four, memorize it. Memorizing is usually tough for people, but I'm not saying memorize the entire Bible. That pretty much makes no sense. Uh, but what I'm saying is when you are going through a tough time or having to make an important decision, pick a few scriptures that address your concern and memorize it so you have throughout the day in your mind and can refer to them without having to look them up. And uh, number five, meditate on it. So we got hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, and meditate on it, Joshua 1 uh, and verse number eight. Now, my fifth point is the advantage of the doctrine helps you grow as a Christian. So the more you know about God, understand his word, have insight into his relationship to the world and people, the better we will trust in the Lord the more deeply 
we will praise him, the more willingly we will obey him. Studying the doctrines correctly will make you and I a more mature believer. If it doesn't do this, then you're not studying in the way God intends. But in fact, the Bible often connects sound doctrine, which the word sound means healthy, sound or healthy doctrine with maturity in the Christian life. For example, Paul wrote, if anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. First Timothy 6 and verse 3. Then Paul wrote to Titus saying, I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. There is more, my friend, there is more to preaching or leading people to salvation than there's more to just, you know, getting up every Sunday morning talking about salvation. There's there's more, and, and, and I, I hope I don't make any enemies from this, but there's more to standing in a pulpit preaching salvation every Sunday morning. People need to know once they've been saved, how to handle the issues of life, how to live a godly. That's what people need to understand, especially if you've already been in the church, you know, a minute or two. It is now time for you to understand how to live a godly life. So if we're not infusing how the doctrine of Christian life with our doctrine, with the other doctrines we mentioned earlier, then you're not giving, you're not feeding the people the way they should be fed. Now, when the Bible talks about godliness or godly lives, it's referring to someone who's living a fruitful and obedient life for God. And this doesn't mean that they're perfect or they're not going to sin. It does mean they will have a heart and a hunger for God. They want to honor him. They want to give God glory. They want to bring praise to his name by how they live. And as we grow in the teaching and the truth of God's word, they produce and promote godliness uh, in their lives. And they're living more and more the way God intended for them to live. Amen. So I'm going to drop off of that and go to my next uh, point here. Because I said, I don't want to make any here. Um, number six, good doctrine helps nourish your soul. To nourish something is to provide the food or other substances necessary for growth, for health, for good condition. Uh, that's, that, that, that's the same uh, it's true with spirit, spirituality. A lot of Christians find themselves weak when it comes to trusting God, unhealthy when it comes to knowing God's will, and not in good condition when it comes to the spiritual battles that wage against them. This doesn't mean or doesn't need uh, to be, but every believer can be strong. Every believer can be alert, spiritually healthy, and ready for the battle. God's doctrines act as the vitamins, minerals, and proteins that our soul needs to be spiritually healthy. Amen? And then number seven, good doctrine helps uh, you to encourage others. Now, suppose a friend drops by your house uh, one day, says, you know, if you're that kind of person, uh, to get your advice about a tough situation. Or they call you on the phone about a tough situation at work or problems in their marriage, difficulty with uh, one of their uh, teenage kids, uh, and they've received some discouraging news from the doctor. What would you tell them? What would you tell him or her? Are you going to uh, provide comfort and, and encouragement? 
Uh, invite your friend to, to watch your favorite movie. Uh, make him a banana split. Uh, eat some cheesecake. Uh, pat your friend on the back and tell him, yeah, it's going to be all right. You know, it'll all work out. You know, the Bible says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. I mean, how are you offering something deeper, more meaningful, and something backed by Almighty God instead? Get him a cheesecake and a banana split. Well, this is exactly what Paul told Titus to do. He told Titus that in Titus 1.9, he must hold firm to the truth. Hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Now, even though this statement is directed to those who lead the church, all believers need to seriously consider three things as they relate to sound doctrine. Number one, first, you are to hold to sound doctrine. You are told to hold firm to the trustworthy word of faith, my friend, to hold firm to something means to strongly cling to it. In this case, you have a good grip on the word uh, of God. You are to love the trustworthy word of God. You are to respect it. You are to believe it and obey it, and it's your spiritual nourishment. This is what gives you life and energy. You are to be consistently nourished uh, in the words of the faith and of sound doctrine. Now, it, it's going to be through God's trustworthy word that you grow in knowledge and understanding of the character of God. Second, you are to encourage with you are to uh, encourage with sound doctrine. If you are holding firm onto God's trustworthy word and committed to live it when you are prepared to share it with others, the reason you need to hold firm into God's word is so that you are able uh, to give instruction in sound doctrine. Your encouragement and advice should be from Sound doctrine, sound from which we get our English word hygienic, carries with the meaning healthy and wholesome, referring to which protects and preserves life. So in your instruction, counsel, and advice to others, it should be your objective, your daily objective, to enlighten others in doctrine that protect and preserve spiritual life. Third, you are to correct with sound doctrine. You are to correct with sound doctrine. Now, I know this isn't popular, fun or easy. Now, correcting someone's world, uh, wrong belief and understanding of God's word is difficult to do. But when giving counsel and advice to others, it must be done when necessary and it must be done in love. So when giving advice, you'll find yourself having to uh, lovingly correct false views about life uh, after death, marriage, uh, false views of money, purpose of life, happiness, God, on and on. And when done in a humble and respectful way, correcting with sound doctrine uh, can be encouraging uh, uh, to those who hear it. Now, uh, I'm going to have to end up closing this message uh, right now. I want to get to uh, your my conclusion here. So as I conclude this message today, I want uh, to give you a word of caution. Now, you still have some sin debris in your heart, and this is why you find it difficult to live for God. Uh, and die to self. So as a result, you will notice that you are still rebellious toward God. Even though you were born again and a follower of Jesus Christ, you, as you study and as you think about the various doctrines that we talked about, and there are many more that you can learn, you are going to be introduced to some truth that you are not going to want to accept. 
or even believed. Now, a serious examination of God's truth or God's doctrine and yourself will help you overcome those rebellious ideas. Frankly, the more of God's truth you understand, the more of God's truth you hear and accept, the more you will experience, my friend, the freedom, the freedom that brings truth. It is a wonderful word. This is my lesson for tonight. I hope it helped you. May God bless you, and may you stay uh, in God's grip. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. With all the talk, what is your goal? With all the talk, what is your goal? With all the talk, what is your goal? Now that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that heaven is my goal. No matter what they say, call me and I'll go. I'll tell you, I'm not saying Lord, I hear the streets are paved for pure and gold Breath of God flow gently through my soul The pearly gate shines sparkles on a rainbow beam Lord, I give my all to you Please make my dreams come true
Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the part of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out that we want to pose to my co-host Clay Phillips. He serves as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. Clay, how you doing, my brother? Marvelous, my friend. Simply marvelous. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Now, Clay, are you live on Facebook? Oh, yes. I'm live on Facebook. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to Clay Phillips' page there. I'm going to share it on my Facebook page as well as he answers this question. Now, we have a doozy of a question for you. Now, this question is from an anonymous queries from the state of South Carolina. And the query says, for a, new, for a newly formed congregation, how long should they wait before elders are appointed? What say you to this question? Thank you very much. Uh, but Steve, it is a marvelous question. I am elated to be able to answer the particular question simply because it um, gives um, enjoyment and encouragement that the church is being <laughs> established <laughs> as far as the body of Christ being placed in other areas. And so I'm just happy to know that there are new Forming congregation that's being planted into different areas. And um, I'm a firm believer that we must stand on God's word uh, if we're going to do his will. Now, the question is a very good question. And let me answer this particular question. First of all, let me say this. There's no way that I can be able to answer the question question in its totality within uh, 15, 20 minutes, okay? But I'm going to do my very best I, as I go forth and uh, teach newly works and congregations about leadership and eldership, deacons, uh, and the new form congregations, uh, I do a workshop. And the workshop takes me probably about uh, a week to complete this workshop. So what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to give you uh, the homiletics of the workshop to show you the value and the importance of understanding the qualifications and that we should look forward to 
uh, elders and deacons. Now, let me let me say this uh, as we go uh, forward in dealing with uh, the subject, uh, how long would it take? Uh, first of all, the how long would it take is uh, a spiritual discernment. Let me say it one more time. How long would it take is a spiritual discernment. In other words, uh, n- none of us grow the same. Now, my workshop is called uh, It Take Time to Learn. It takes time to learn or to grow. And so the first thing about the question is that it's relevant because it does take time to grow, take time to, to prosper. Jesus came up on a fig tree and, and looked at the fig tree, had leaves on it, but it didn't have no fruit. And so uh, he said, uh, we're going to destroy this tree. And then uh, the disciples were looking all funny and stuff, so this dog around it and put dung in it, came back. Uh, so and when he came back, it still didn't have any fruit. Now, we must understand that fruit is a representation of the development of the tree. And so I'm a firm believer, as we strive to be pleasing to God, as we plant seeds, that the seed must grow and that God expects fruit. Now, spiritual discernment, let me look at a scripture, and then I'm going to take you to Old Testament scripture to help you out. Now, what I'm doing here, I'm setting the foundation for you to be able to appreciate the planting of the seed and its growth time, period. Okay? Now, in First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through verse 16, the Bible says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we know or we might know the things that freely given us of God, which thing also we speak, not in words of which man's wisdom teaches. What, now notice now what it's talking about here. It, it, it gives us a differentiation between here, the Apostle Paul said, listen, this is how the man does stuff, and this is how Christ, uh, the spiritual. So there's a, there is a dichotomy here between the spiritual and the world. And also there is a relationship. There is a, uh, a picture of understanding that you can understand uh, what the world does and its growth, you know, you, you, you look at a seed and understand it takes time for it to grow. You understand that when you plant a church, the church is a seed and it must have time to grow. Okay? So now listen to what the Apostle Paul is going to say. He says, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Now, now what the Holy Spirit teaches is comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things that is of spirit, but of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is one of the questions that is, we need to understand that is spiritually discerned. In other words, it takes someone, it takes time to grow spiritually. So the question we want to know is how long does it take? Let me show it. Do you? Okay. Now, what the Bible says in verse number 15. But he that is spiritual judges all things. Yet 
He himself is judge of no man. Now, the, the word here, judge of all things, means he has insight. So the insight versus the buffer. In other words, here, the apostle Paul is saying, listen, we need to understand that we must understand there's insight that the world has, and there's insight that the, uh, the body of Christ has. And so here it says in verse 16, for who have known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? So, so more than that, he, he being sarcastic here about who, who can instruct God? <laughs> God does what he want to do. When you can discern spiritually, God created the world. God created this earth. And he made the trees and he made the land. He made everything that in his season. Now, 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 pay close attention here. It says, but we have uh, the mind of Christ. So here you find that the Apostle Paul said, listen, it is, when you start planting the seed, understand, first of all, there must be instruction. And you can't instruct God. You can't tell God how long it's going to take. The bottom line is that the work of the church as far as the maturity is the same as uh, the world, the world recognized, for example, if you go to the doctor and the doctor uh, tells you he don't have no degree, what are you going to do? <laughs> you don't get up out of there. Now, now the, word, the word elder and eldest is two different things. The word elder is the forefathers. So when the Bible, when you're talking about ordained elders, now we're going to get to that. I might not get to it tonight. We're just talking about elders, ordained elders every city. So now, elders, etymologically means the forefathers. The Greek word mirais means greater, the comparative degree of mirais, which was a representation of uh, Esau and Jacob. So you're looking at Esau and Jacob. Esau is the oldest, but Jacob got the gift. So just because you are the oldest doesn't mean that you have the gift. <laughs> Amen. So the eldest is seniority uh, to be advanced in life. And so here we must understand the Apostle Paul is telling us, listen, we must understand that even life advances. So now, now you, if you go back to the Old Testament, Psalms 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord. And does he meditate day and night? He is like a tree. Now notice that he is like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. Now notice here, that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. He is like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth in its fruit in its season. Leaf shall not wither, whatsoever it does, it shall prosper. So when you look at the church, the church is a seed that is planted that some things are bringing forth season. It takes season, it takes time to learn to be a deacon or elder in the sky. Good God Almighty, let the Bible speak, Mother Phillips. Now, so now what I'm going to do is I'm not going to be able to deal with everything in its totality. 
What I'm going to do is give you the homiletics of my workshop that I normally do when I go and teach about uh, the elders and deacons and the, the growth of the church. The first thing, now I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to come back and try to just hit on this a little bit if I can. So my time, not, I don't have much time. So now the first thing you need to understand is that the local autonomy is in churches without elders is clearly observed. In other words, a church is not wrong because they don't have elders, because they don't have deacons. Okay? Let me let me clear that up now. A church is not wrong because a, a church may not be spiritual enough because my grandbaby uh, is 13 years old. She don't have driver license. <laughs> well, because she hasn't matured up enough yet to be able to have or ascertain driver license. And so when you look at the church, you must keep it in perspective of the church that there is a spiritually discerned. In other words, uh, every church has its own roots. Every church has its own growth. So you can't compare churches, local, I mean churches, this is my local congregation that are planted. You cannot look at a local congregation because they don't have elders or because they don't have deacons. They are not the Lord's church. No, that's, that's not true. It means that they have not yet matured up. They have not produced uh, fruit yet. Because we're going to learn that elders and deacons, uh, members are a part of the fruit of God. God expects this to grow. Now, now stay with me now. So let me give you uh, some things that uh, we must ascertain, and then I'm going to come back and try to, to revitalize re, uh, and, and show you what I'm talking about here. Because uh, the first thing you need to understand is the office of the eldership. The office of the eldership is a administration or administrative uh, division th that the church has that has to mature up. Now, now, let me say this. Let me say this before I go any further. You, you remember now, it takes uh, time to learn. That, that's, that's what I'm, if I had to advocate my message, it takes time to learn. It takes time to develop a church to have elders and deacons. How long, brother, does it take? Uh, it, is a, it is a spiritually discernment. In other words, it's in God's hand. You let you teach and you preach and you share the word of God, and then the, the person that has the desire, God will. I believe this all in my heart. Now, uh, I've been preaching here at uh, Rose City Church of Christ for 39 years. Uh, we had a first ordained elder in 2005. I won an elder power. Now we have three elders, elder Timbers. We have four deacons that have been ordained three more deacons, and so we are in the process. But, but it's been a process. It's been the growth period of the earth. So we shouldn't be arguing about uh, a three-year-old can't drive. <laughs> Lord, let, let the Bible speak. We can't, shouldn't be arguing about a 13-year-old can't drive because we don't have a license. And so a, a church has to mature up. So now we're going to look at, if you will, now, you remember a, a social group. Let, let, let's look at the word. Let's look at the instruction of the word. If we can understand, it takes time for a, to have a social group, it takes two years. A bachelor degree around about uh, four years, if you're pretty smart, and, you know, uh, might take a number of five years. Anyway, 
uh, master degree six years, doctor degree around eight years. Uh, it varies. And so when you look at a church that has been planted, you must understand that it varies. That you can't look at a local congregation and say that that church should have elders, that church should have deacons. Uh, first of all, understand it is not wrong if a church do not have elders and deacons. Uh, uh, now I'm going to come back and, and deal with that in a minute. It's not wrong. It's not, it's not uh, unbiblically. Like Brother uh, Washington said, uh, the doctrine of the apostles teaches us some things. Now, so there, there are seven homiletics that I deal with when I do the workshop. Number one, it's authority. Where do we get the authority to ordain elders and deacons? We'll look at that. I might not get a chance tonight. I'm going to have to come back and use that sermon. Elders and deacons. It's authority, number two. It's function, number three. It's selection, number four. It's ordination, number five. It's efficiency, number six. It's space or area, and number seven, the qualification. Now, it take, like I said, it takes me almost a week or longer to be able to go through all of this. But I need you to understand that it is a administrative issues that we must understand. So now let me let me kind of just kind of hit the question a little bit uh, in detail. First of all, every every local congregation is responsible for their own ordination as far as men taking men and making them deacons and elders. Now we we it, I mean we, we got some for the go. Now let me say this. There are two things. First of all, up front, the Bible says that in first in Second Peter chapter one verse two through ten, it teaches us that all things that pertain to life and godliness is found in this book. <laughs> in the Bible, everything that we need to know is found in this book. Uh, the the first thing we need to understand. The, the target of the text is that the, that the authority of the apostles' word is what we must be predicated on. Now, now some of you might ask the question, now, now think about this. How long have I been teaching now? And I haven't even gotten to the, uh, the meat of the, the lesson. Imagine now. So understand, it takes time to learn. So it takes time to grow. It takes time for a church to be able to have men that are worthy to be ordained as elders and deacons. How long, Brother Phillips? Uh, if, if you look carefully, we're going to learn that it's in God's hands for the fruit of the body of Christ. He, God is in charge of that. And he will, he will give us what we need. All spiritual blessings is found in the church. Hello? And God will make sure we get what we need. As Dr. Washington said, too many of us are not studying the doctrine of the apostles, the doctrine of the word of God. We're all about ourselves. We're trying to make things happen, but God is the one that makes things happen. Now, now, turn, now, now turn with me, if you will. i got about five minutes here. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Turn to chapter 4 now. 
uh, if you will, of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and the verse is number 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Look what the Bible says here. Paul is writing here. He says, For this cause have I left or sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance. Notice what it says. That bring you into remembrance of my ways, <laughs> which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in, notice now, the, the, the bullet is everywhere in every church. And so the, the Apostle Paul addresses that whatever is in one church is going to be in the other church. You, you just be with me. You, you just have a divine, you have a spiritually discerned waiting on God. He said, he told Kevin, listen, I want you to go. Let me read it again. In verse 17. For this cause have I sent you Timothy, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the law, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ as I taught in everywhere. In, not only I taught it everywhere, and in every church, <laughs> in every church I went to, I taught the same thing. All right, chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And the verse is 17. First Corinthians chapter 7, and the verse is 17. But as God have distributed to every man, as the Lord have called every man, everyone, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. In other words, he said, listen, I'm going to take care. I'm, gonna make, I'm teaching you what you need to do. It is a walk. It, is a, it takes time to learn. It takes time to grow. But brother Philip, how long does it take? It might take me a week to get through this lesson. <laughs> It'll take me a week to get through this lesson. So you know it's going to take a few years. So now, now when you look carefully, and we study uh, carefully about elders, let me kind of hit you out real quick, like I know I'm not going to be able to finish this thing. Elders uh, should. The word elder here also is, is speaking of between the age of 50 and 65. When you study etymologically, when you study the historicity of uh, the Roman culture and what was going on in uh, judicial culture at that time is that between 50 and 65 you have to become. So when we become an age of 50 and 65, so first of all, you have to have some men in the church they're between the age of 50 and 65, okay? So now let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Are y'all with me? Uh, uh, I think I got 10 minutes in. Y'all, you hear me out. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and the verse is number 40. Let's look at verse 40, then we'll back up. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 40, then we back up. Remember what it says in verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently and in order. So you have to get to a point where a church can do things decently and in order. So let's, let's back up, if you will, to verse 37. It says, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual. Now, we, we understand that when the Apostle Paul is dealing with this, he's dealing with this in the case of the apostolic 
teaching because you remember that the church at the childhood stage had the power, the apostles would lay hands because they had the power to transfer spiritual blessing. Now, in the other case, the Holy Spirit, as far as teaching the Paul, the Apostle Paul taught Timothy, Second Timothy chapter three, it teaches us that all scriptures is given by inspiration of God and prophets, doctrine for proof and instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we find here, so the church started out in its childhood stage in First Corinthians chapter uh, thirteen, verse eleven. In its childhood stage, then it matured up to, to become a a, a man grown man. He said, when I was a child, I thought I was a child, I understood that child, but when I became a man, I put away child's thing. So now we need to understand that the church, has, the, the local church that is planted has to grow up. Give it time to grow up. Now, now how long does it take to grow up? Uh, you, you want to ask some question about your, your boy driving your car? <laughs> okay, let me move on. Let me move on. Don't talk about that. So now look at uh, verse number uh, 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandment of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. In other words, you, you, cannot, you can't put a man that is ignorant in authority. You can't do it. Now, now he's talking about, now remember now, Paul is talking about addressing Prophets and and spiritual. So now that we have no prophets today, that that time and had we're not arguing about that issue, not dealing with that doctrine. Okay, we're talking about here. Uh, we're looking at the we're looking at spiritual discernment, spiritual discernment, because the doctrine tells us to give us spiritual discernment. It takes time to learn the doctrine. If the doctor says you have to take the medicine, then you take the medicine. Then it takes time for the medicine to work. God Almighty, let the Bible speak, brother Philip. Verse uh, 39 says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. In other words, in that time, he said, Go ahead and use your gift. Forbid not to speak with tongues. In other words, do what you need to do because you had that, they had the ability. Because it was going to last till it comes to maturity. Okay? Now, notice in verse number 40, let all things be done decently and in order. So we have here. So, Understand this. The local churches are commanded to hear the word of the Holy Spirit. In each case, the word was and is the authority for the church. Thus, each church was, notice now, each church was independently responsible to maintain its own respect for the word of God. In other words, if you're going to ordain elders, you better make sure they meet the qualifications. If you're going to ordain deacons, you better make sure they meet this qualification. Every church is responsible for the maturity of the church. Now, now, now understand this. Understand this. That even, and i got, I got to stop with this. Even in the instructions uh, of handling the problems of the church, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 through 8, the, uh, the apostle uh, told the church at Corinth to handle your own problems. In other words, it's not saying that you can't get advice from others, but you've got to handle your own problem. What problem they had? They had a problem that their son had took the father's wife, not his mama, but his father's wife. Evidently, the father had got married again, and they had an issue. 
And it says, and the Apostle Paul told him, listen, you handle that. You deal with that. Whether you got elders, deacons, or whatever, you deal with that. But you, the church got to mature up to be able to deal with that. That's why when we teach it and learn the authority, now when we speak about the authority of the church, of the elders, the administrative part, that's where I got to stop at number one, the administrative part. I'm going to try to get back to you and deal with the administrative part. Number one, it's authority. How do you develop to the place where Christ is the head and Christ plays authority in the church? Woo! Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. I'm the speaker, Brother Clay Philip. Remember this. Keep it real. We're going to get that. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I? Yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I? Yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I? Yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I? Yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? How can I? Yeah. How can I walk with Jesus? How can I? We gotta let it shine. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Courtney. Ladies and gentlemen, I seem to have some technical difficulty, but Courtney, if you can hear me, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, I seem to be having some technical difficulty with my audio, but Courtney, if you can hear me, go ahead and speak. And hearing the and hearing the first two speakers this afternoon really should give us a lot of hope to know how we should go about understanding the word of God, how that God watches over his flock to ensure that they'll be fed with substance that will strengthen their spirit in time of difficult situations. I want to continue tonight by calling your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And the verses are 7 through verse 14 is where we'll stop, but so many other verses there. Uh, I'll read one other. Well, let's go. I will go down to verse 16. First Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Paul says, but we have this message in earthen vessels that the excellency of of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith, accounting as it is written, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up us, raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. All things are for your sake, that the abundant mercy, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many read down into the glory of God, which cause we faint not. 
our, but though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment work it for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. First Second Corinthians chapter four introduces to us Paul's um, ability to keep preaching, to keep stay, stay focused on the ministry. In, in light of all that he has endured and will endure. Therefore, all that Paul had endured and will endure is also a test to discern, as you already heard first two speakers, it is a test to discern if Paul is really an apostle of Jesus Christ and if Paul is really speaking the truth. I believe this is where our religious world is today, the society, religious society. Before we can't condemn and say, per se, who is not in the right faith or is in the right faith, although the Bible does declare that for us, I want to take an approach by showing what true ministers of God will do and how that they will keep on doing what God has called them to do regardless of their present situations in life. I'll start off by saying this, that all preachers in the faith, someone of the faith, uh, preaching a different faith, using tactics, using truth. The biggest concern right now is how to get more people back in the building since, since the since the birth of COVID and while we're, and and the, how COVID is coming down. That's not my message about COVID, but my message is about what is majorly discouraging a lot of preachers today is how do we get people back in the building? Well, if we were in business, we will show that in business, in the market, regardless how high the prices are, people still need to eat. Regardless of how, how high situations are in folks' lives, whether it's the flu, migraine, marital issues, um, parental issues, um, some form of sickness, cancer, uh, heart diseases, diabetes out of control, uh, marital mishaps or misfortunes, whatever the case may be, no matter how high those situations are, people still need the gospel. And they will go and receive the gospel to the place that God has called for them to come to if they are giving true principle and practical ways of how to keep fighting the good side of faith. So Paul begins the session of Second Corinthians 4, prior to verse 7. He begins the section out of Second Corinthians 4, verse 1 through And a few things we want to highlight out of Second Corinthians 4, 1 through 4, as it was already stated by the first speaker, and I really took a great deal of uh, um, um, attention, paid a great deal of attention. How he talking about humanism, worldview, and 
pragmatism, a lot of things that blinding or aiding people to think they want to think how they should think beyond the way the Bible will have them to think because of the lack of interpretation or the inability to interpret correctly. I want to just add to this, to his thought, as we go to verse 1 through 4, then highlight verses 7 and following. First of all, uh, we have to understand that God's word is not a daily for us to change what we want to change. It's not a it's, it's a strict plan of guidance, guiding people to get close to God. And no matter what the philosophies may be in society, we still have to come to a level of saying, is this what God desires or I desire God to have to believe what I want to believe? Heaven is set aside for those who put their faith in God. And putting our faith in God, we do know that we have to overcome as ministers, leaders, and Christians alike have to overcome trouble, trials, temptations, and keep our testimony alive in Jesus Christ. So Paul begins to give a testimony of endurement, a testimony of endurement by saying what he says in verse 1. Corinthians 4, verse 1. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, that we have, seeing, therefore, seeing we have, the, have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. All right? A testimony of endurance says this, that regardless of what we have experienced prior to this present day, we know that God, Paul is saying, that God has is still true in keeping us, uh, able, enabling us to be successful in sharing in the glorious gospel of bringing people to salvation. Now, I want you to recognize that the word salvation in a simple way, also explaining it, means to be rescued. People, people are needing to be rescued from a lot of things. The gospel of Jesus, the glorious gospel of Jesus can and will rescue a person to be able to endure life with the hope of God's word. What that means is that it does not say that trouble won't be in your life. You'll have trouble, but you'll have You'll have a rescue plan, which is God's word, to show you and to reveal to you and I that we can overcome, we can live through most anything if we keep our trust in God. Trust in God simply means relying on God. To rely on God, we have to do two things. One, we have to um, respond to God the way he wants us to respond. And then two, we um, be revived of the fact or live again, have God's word in us to, that, will, that has to keep God's word in us presently from the things that we have experienced in the past, from the things we have experienced in the past. If God brought us through from the past, he will surely bring us today. This is why Paul says in verse 1, therefore, see, we have this ministry. Why is Paul saying, therefore, seeing we, 
And who are the we? It is Paul and the people who are accompanying him and spreading the gospel. And I'm going to emphasize that in a minute. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. Paul says, but we all with open beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul is saying every event we have encountered, every obstacle we have overcome, every despair we have been delivered from, we were in it so that God can be glorified. And because God is glorified, what we were in, it is not avalanche on us, but it made us more abundantly in trusting God that he can bring us through any trouble. I think you ought to give God an amen wherever you are because glory to glory simply means that God has allowed them to show the strength in them, to show his strength through them, to go through things that in the present, so that in the present situation, they know that whatever they go through is for God's glory and that God will not allow them to be avalanched with problems that they cannot get out of. So look at verse 2 then. Verse 2 says, For we have, because God been with us, and because God has brought us through, what did he bring them through? What did God really bring them through? Paul elaborates more on that in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Can you go there with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul elaborates some of the things he says in verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 4, why was he able to renounce some of the hidden things? And, and, and I want to show because he knew God is with him. He does not need any flowery substance, any psychological message, any gimmicks or tricks to bring folks to Christ. All he needs to do is keep testifying how God has, how God has brought them through. And by God bringing them through, they are able to preach effectively from the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the truth of God, they don't give up, they don't use tricks. For example, as you go to St. Corinthians 6, let me say this. Every church in the summertime that I know of um, use what is called, have a day what is called back to school fair. Hmm. Back to school fair. And there are some churches that I know of that have what is called in every October trunk or treat. <laughs> There are some churches I know of that have Valentine missions or, or days. And there are some churches I know of that will sing you to sleep, sing you to an ecstatic high. The most effective way to get people to come to God is not through gimmicks that the Bible does not support. God never told us to put, a, put together a truck or treat, a back-to-school fair, because mostly people who go to the back to school paper hit your spot, then go to another spot, then go to another spot and walk away looking like a Home Depot office with books, papers, and pens and will never come to church to hear the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to say I need to be saved and be baptized. Now, that's just my experience. I'm not cutting down any form of method that some of y'all use. But we know that God said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them 
not giving gimmicks, not giving tricks, not giving candy, not giving pancake breakfast, not giving community dinners, all that. Some of that may help. We have friends and family day. We feed our visitors. But that's not our emphasis. Our emphasis is to give folks the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul said we have announced the things. He's going against the Judaizers who are teaching, it, teaching that the law still stands. Paul was saying it's not the law. The law never reflected how saved we are. It reflected how miserable we are trying to save ourselves through doing things that would not, if that would not give us true salvation. Because true salvation is from, the, is, is from Jesus Christ. The law itself serves as a, as a shadow presenting, introducing, shedding light on the substance of salvation, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ, according to Leviticus 19, or the book of Leviticus, tells us that life is in the blood. In order to have life, we've got to come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. So Paul is teaching that from the animal sacrifices, from the Judaizers' teachings of, of law, that the only way a man can be saved is to come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ, which formulates the gospel. And there will be some who say, well, I never saw the blood. Because the blood in the water coagulated, which means we got to be buried in the watery grave baptism to receive the blood of salvation. That's why we sing the song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Because the blood purifies. The love, the love, the blood, the blood purifies. The blood uh, uh, gives us, uh, 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 allows life to pump through our vessels. It cleanses out our kidneys. It, it, it stabilizes our liver. It, it, it pumps blood to our heart. And, and the spiritual function of blood is that it cleanses our thoughts so we can think like Jesus Christ. This leads me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and the verse is 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and the verse is 2. Paul says, for he says, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation, salvation have I succored thee. Have I allowed you to go through stuff so that you can call on my name? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Then he says in verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and affliction and necessities and distresses and stripes in imprisonment, in, in tumult, in labors, in watchings, in, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true. In other words, Paul is saying, by and by, I come to understand that God will deliver us. And so he says, we don't give up when, 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 when trials come. We don't give out when despair hits us or cause us to want to get, get weak, we keep on keeping on. Therefore, 
I want us to move down to verse 4, and then we're going to hit verse 7 and follow it. Paul says in verse 4, verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is using a lot of tools. Satan has a lot of tools to keep people from coming to God. Um, I'll say it this way. Some people now believe that they can have be in fellowship with God watching services on Zoom. Well, if that's the case, the same service you watch on Zoom, you ought to be able to work while some are, but not all the time. Work from Zoom and make a good living. Um, stay away from the grocery store to get your groceries. Zoom is, was a catalyst to keep one safe from a deadly environment, a deadly virus, but it's not the plan of God to keep folk out of fellowship one with another. False viruses was false doctrine. False viruses was hardship, shipwreck, hunger, prison. But whatever, he, whatever condition and situation he found himself in, he did not stop preaching the gospel because of, because of suffering. He said, if we don't preach this, then the glorious gospel will not reach those that are lost. So now he moves into showing that the simplicity of the gospel is being disrupted by false teaching. The simplicity of the gospel he talks about is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where he says in verse 3, well, verse 2, for I am jealous over you with godly jealous, for I have espoused you to one husband. I know over you have heard this over and over again about the oneness. Oneness simply means that God it is God's plan for people to be saved. Where, how should they be saved? By one method. That is through the one gospel of Jesus Christ that teaches the death, burial, and the resurrection. I never read anywhere in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation where the Bible has told parents to bring their children to a priest in a row with the labor of water and baptize their baby who cannot confess, who cannot believe, and who cannot say, I do believe or repent. I never read in my Bible from Genesis to Revelation, where all you have to do is just raise your hand and say a prayer and receive God in your heart. I never read in my Bible where all you have to do is come down and, and speak in tongues because tongue was not an unknown, tongue was not a language that only you understand, but no one else. The word unknown was italicized for the purpose of emphasizing that the writers knew that there were many tongues in the world that humans spoke. But so it would not allow him to put every tongue in the Bible. But he did put some. He said, "Where we are born, Parthians, Medes, El- born out of Serene, Elamites, Jews, uh, we do hear them speak the wonderful words of God in our own tongue." Now, I never read in the Bible what God said, "Put your hand on the radio, receive a prayer cloth." Even when it comes to healing people, I never seen the Bible like we do today, where people say that are healers. Would touch somebody's head and they fall down. 
every person I saw read about in the Bible that touched somebody, they got up because the, the touching of the apostles still symbolized a resurrection. And a resurrection is, is a getting up, not going down. When Paul says we faint not, he said we're not troubled. We're not overly troubled. We're not weakened. We're not, we're, not, we're not cowering away because if we could go get through what we got through last year and we can get through shipwreck and we can get through a storm and we can get through hunger and we can get through being in prison, what can stop us? And like one song, one song group said, ain't no stopping us now. Ain't no stopping us. Corona ain't going to stop us. The double corona ain't going to stop us. False doctrine ain't going to stop us. We're going to keep preaching and plowing so that men and women can hear the hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that God has espoused us to one husband. That is Jesus Christ. And after that, being espoused to one husband, we are the one bride which symbolizes the one church that you read about in the Bible. Therefore, he says in verse 4, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received, ye have, uh, ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very cheapest apostle. And we're going to talk about that. Then he says in the following verses that Satan's angels are able to transport themselves into angels of light. Verse 14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their work. Now, let me hurry and get to the point that we need to get to out of 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 7 starts like this. Verse 7 starts like this. How do you know if preachers are bringing you the truth of God? Well, verse 7 says, verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul received mercy. That is, he received of the ability and strength to perform even after he was trying to persecute God's people. But God took him from being a persecutor to being a preacher of his word by, through his mercy. And through his mercy, Paul realized how weak he was, how small he was compared to Jesus. And that is only through Jesus can all men be saved. And so he said that regardless, what he is saying is that regardless of my weaknesses, I still find strength to God to perform well for God. Even the Bible tells us in Acts 9 that Jesus already said to Ananias, go and talk to Saul, for he's going to suffer many things suffer many things. God will allow us to suffer many things, but the suffering will not stop us. It is to help us to realize that through suffering, we don't depend on ourselves, but the mercy of God to keep us keeping on. So he says that the excellency of, of the power may be of God and not of us. Or we, then he goes down about, we will show you how the mercy of God enables us. Verses 8 through um, verses 8 through 11. Then in verse 12, 
So then death worketh in us, but life in you. In other words, you're saying the more you see us going through trouble, crumbling and tricks being uh, um, held down, look like we're being held down and kept away, we're still finding the measures to preach Christ, even if we're dying, the death is not to say we're ending, but the death is saying, our death is saying, it's just your beginning. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The more we live and get through things we're going through, we have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which again is simply the death, burial, and resurrection, and every preacher who preaches the gospel of Jesus will suffer. Even those who are listening, I want you to know, if God has truly called you to preach, there should nothing stop us or cause us to cower away from preaching the gospel of Jesus. We must trust him, thank him, and give a testimony. The second thing as we close this tonight is that our attitude must be for God. That's what Paul is talking about in this verse, that our attitude must be right with God. He says, so in verse 12, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Why are we in this ministry? We're in this ministry to be, um, to be servants of God, servants of God. Somebody once said to me, if you don't, wanna, if you don't want folk driving over you, then don't be a bridge. Because every bridge is going to have somebody driving under and walking under if you don't want to go through what you have to go through so that God's glory can be seen in you, don't be a preacher. Because preachers will suffer. My encouragement to you is that as you suffer, know that God is, what God called you in, he's going to call you out of it so that through the suffering, through your weakness, he can get the glory. And that folk in here still hear you preach while you're going through what you're going through. And come to the knowledge and to the revelation, to the revelational knowledge of Jesus Christ that he still saves through, his, through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 14, um, verse 14 said, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus. I said earlier that the preaching of Jesus is about raising people up. If God raised the preacher up to get out of trouble and to still preach and to live and to take care of the family and to help others, then I want you to see from their lifestyle, my friends, family members of the body of Christ, and those who are listening for the first time, that God is into the raising up business. He wants to raise you up. doesn't mean you won't have any outwardly situations, but in your mind, he can raise you up. Some marriages need to be raised up. Some folks' hope need to be raised up. Some spirit need to be raised up. And the only way to get raised is to have this resurrection, to have a risen attitude, is to know that the people whom God has up before us will also help us today. That's why we got to call on Abba the Father. Sometimes we may not be able to say all the proper wording for prayer. God just want to hear us say, Daddy, I need help. Daddy, lift me up. Daddy, I need to know your love. And that's what the preacher brings to on Sunday. They bring a lifting up message to show that, yes, we all suffer. Yes, we all been in some accidents. We all been in the hospital. Uh, we all have gone through some things. But but that which is coming to man, God has a way for us to escape out of that trouble. Let me reflect back when I was a little boy uh, living in Anaheim, California, back in the 70s. We did not live too far from Disneyland. They first came out with Space Mountain. And as my brother was saying, let's go ride on Space Mountain, I heard all the screaming, all the laughter, and then some crying. 
and I start listening more to the cries than I did to the joy of being on the space mountain. And I said, every time we got closer, I saw a sign that said, if you're afraid or have heart problems, this is your time to exit. If you don't, if you feel that you're not tall enough or you can't go through it, this is your time to exit. And the more I got close to the space mountain ride, I kept reading those signs, but I kept hearing my brother saying, come on, we're going to get on this ride. You're going to be all right. I want to tell you, my friends, faith in the saying, as you go up with the Lord, as you resurrect with the Lord, he's trying to tell you to exit. Preachers don't exit. Loved ones don't exit. Older members you've been fighting a good fight, don't exit. Go on up with the Lord. Get on the gospel train of salvation and enjoy the ride to heaven. That's why the Bible says, though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. Though I heard people crying and some laughing, I heard my brother still saying, let's go up and ride. I want to tell you, when we come to Sunday morning service, we get through what we're going through. God is saying, let's go up and ride together. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus. Just a little talk with Jesus make everything all right. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can cleanse us. Uh, 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 I'm a hard-fighting soldier on the battlefield of Jesus. Hold on to God. Enjoy the ride, regardless of the bumps, the highs, and the lows. God is right there in our life, and he's going to take us to victory. We got the victory through Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you, and may he bless you real well. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, which art in heaven, we thank you so much for this media, this opportunity to touch lives through the various speakers that have been appointed and selected to break into the world the bread of life, that they may have spiritual sustenance to keep fighting, to stay strong at night, to sleep well, to work, and to persevere until you call them home to glory. Father, we're just asking for a double portion of your grace that regardless of how the prices are, gas are, health insurance is, uh, folk falling away, folk leaving, folk going wherever, let us be mindful that there's nothing too big or too small that you cannot rescue us from, and the world needs salvation. They need to be rescued. Sometimes you may not take us out of that problem, but you'll give us enough trust to know we can get through. The Bible says we're urban vessels. We're nothing but cracked vessels trying to do our best to let folk know how blessed they are to have you in their lives. Let us go now. As we go, let us remember that we faint not. We don't give up. We keep looking up. We keep going on just with Jesus just the same. May God bless you. Thank you, God, for Brother Stevie and his crew for this mess, this media to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for tonight. We certainly appreciate you tuning in to this radio broadcast. We've had a great show tonight. I had some technical difficulty uh, early on in the show, but we were able to get through it. I want to thank all of my co-hosts who participated on the show tonight. Great lessons tonight from Dr. Frank Washington and Courtney Carruthers as well. We certainly appreciate their efforts on the show. And also my co-host, uh, Clay Phillips, who answered our shout-out question. Got some great questions coming in to that shout-out platform on social media, Facebook. So please join that group and get involved in those biblical discussions. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my prayer that these lessons that were given on the show tonight have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened. Because you're not only tuning in to this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continual blessings upon your lives. It may bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. And on behalf of all of my co-hosts, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Steve R. Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Hallelujah.
How many can testify this morning that the Lord is worthy of all the praise, the glory, and the honor? Gave his life on Calvary for a sinner like you and me. So we ought to just give God the highest praise. Just to tell him thank you. Y'all want to help me this morning? Won't you help me sing? Hallelujah. Help me sing, yeah. No, he's worthy of praise, glory, and honor. I'm going to give him the high praise for all of my days. Y'all don't mind, just let me tell you a few reasons why we should praise him. Come on. See, it's God that woke us all up the morning. Yeah, clothes on the back, food on the table. Why we ought to give him the highest praise? That ain't all he done, all he done. Nails in his hands, nails in his feet for a sinner like you and me. That's why we ought to praise him in this land. Y'all, we didn't deserve it. No. Mm-hmm. Come on, we ought to give him all on praise. Now, y'all, come on and help me sing this song right here. I said, let the spirit, let it rise. Come on, let the spirit, let it rise. The praises of the our King, He's our King. Well, I'm gonna, and you wanna, we've got a hey, oh, 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 yeah, I'm gonna let it rise. Let the glory of the Lord sing. Let the Oh, 
say if I had ten thousand hands, if I had ten thousand hands, I would bless you as you come and oh Lord, you are the holy one, oh you're the holy one, the only one. Let me hear you say holy, holy, hallelujah, oh Lord, that all the glory is due. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.